may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Where's your Cardiff City shirt, Tom? Eh? I got, I got Ninian Park, innit? Ready? Three, two, one. It's another episode of The View from the Ninian with two games to talk about. The boisterous Barnsley game and a lovely game at Liverpool to get through. I'm joined, as always, by my noble steeds, Ben Price, Tom Phillips. Ben Price, how are you? I'm very, I don't think I've ever been called a noble steed before. I but oh, like I said it. it, if I'll be honest with you, mate. It just like came it. to my head. It felt natural. You're my noble steed. I apparently ride you, um, which is nice. <laughs> Good. Good mental image for all the listeners there. Tom Phillips, you've been to the dentist today. How are your teeth? Uh, they hurt, but you know I'm dedicated to the pod, so I'm I'm pushing through the pain barrier. Congratulations! Um, yeah. I, I suppose it's the one, it's the one injury that can keep you on a podcast, isn't it? You might. I know. Yeah, I, d- I didn't think it through when I booked the appointment, lads. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what other injuries could keep you out of doing a podcast? Broken jaw, dead, <laughs> dead. Yeah. I knew you'd say death. It just. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, I suppose if you had a broken leg and you're in a hospital, um, you probably can't really podcast from the hospital. No. Um, anyway, moving <laughs> on to the Barnsley game, which is an apt segue. Um, obviously, we beat Barnsley 1-0 away from home at Oakwell. It was, Ben, shall we say, an attritional game of football, but the three points kind of trumps it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a it was a properly grim game of football to watch. <laughs> Not one for the purists. Um, but sometimes winning those games is, I don't know, it feels a bit more enjoyable, doesn't it? When it's a big game and you win like a scrappy encounter like that, it just, yeah, you walk off. Think, people, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I felt, bang- I was skipping until I realised how bad the injuries were to the players. But um, yeah, if you're not looking at that, just the win itself and the way we won it, I loved it, really enjoyed it. It felt felt like the club had character, the team had character about it, which it's been lacking for a long, long time. Yeah, Tom, it, it we, we, you know, you touched upon it there already, but I think that the third, the tackle that really comes to mind was the tackle on Doughty. Um, we went straight for his ankle. Um, it was a bit Joe Bennett on Leroy Sane. Um, but you know, Doughty's come away from that with out for four to six months, downgraded to four to six weeks. There was a typo on the press release, if that's what you'd believe. It felt like some of those Barnsley tackles, they were out to hurt us, didn't it? Oh, 100 percent There there was malicious intent in a lot of those challenges, and it kind of just set the kind of mood for the whole game. It was Niggly on the field, it was niggly on the bench. It carried on after the game. But when you see your play in Barnsley, it feels like that's the type of game it's going to be. And, you know, when, you know, BBC have described it as a dire first half, you know, we were meant to be relatively neutral when it comes to explaining things. It shows how bad the game is. But it, it was an awful, awful game of football, but could be one of the biggest three points we get this season. Yeah, Um Let's talk about Ikpiezu, uh, Ben. Um, came off the bench uh, for his first appearance. Um, he set up his own goal. He bulldozed two or three players in the process of doing it. We always said about Kiefer Moore um, that sometimes we expected him to win win the flick-ons, get on the end of his own flick-ons, get the end of his own crosses. Ikpiezu actually did that. He won the flick-on. He got beyond the defender. The defender was pulling his arm and he still scored. Is he the typical Cardiff City striker? Big a big bully who's going to score goals. I think he's got every characteristic that could make him a real cult icon at the club. He's big, he's burly, and he seems like he's got a bit of a personality about him as well. Mm-hmm. Seems to know he's got that smile about him that um, those sort of players have that we sort of form an attraction to and sort of learn to love. And yeah, hell of a debut. Absolute battering ram. Yeah. You then can't... he jumped in the crowd to celebrate as well, which is exactly really what you want in it. Yeah, yeah, passion straight in. They knew what it's about. And yeah, that's how you get the fans on side. I saw a photo of him, I think, when he was playing for Oxford or Cambridge. Um, I, that'll probably piss off the Oxford and Cambridge fans. I couldn't remember. And there's that photo where he's wearing these shorts and his thighs are massive. They are like another level of big. And he's, he, you know, he, he looked big when he was playing. He just Everything about him looks big, doesn't it? And he just looks like he's going to bully defenders all the time. I didn't realise how big he was. I, I, sort I. Of really just sort of, I knew he was a big lad, but I didn't realise just how, like, I knew he was tall, but I didn't realise just how bulky he is. Yeah, he's wide. a proper unit. And yeah, I can I can see why Sean Morrison kept on saying he didn't want to play against him in training, because Christ, that must be a nightmare to mark. 
he's all elbows, isn't he? Um, Tom, um, it, it was not just Dick Piazza who had a good game. Obviously, Doyle performed well. Um, uh, Hugh Gill started up front again. We had um, Drummer at right back um, and, and Doty. We've already talked about left back. Feels like we signed a very good bunch of lone players, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's proven to be a really, really successful window. The only thing that is kind of working against it, they're not our players. They are local mm-hmm. players. We're going to learn to love them and they're going to disappear again and disappoint us at the end of the season. But no, it, it, it seems to have plugged all the gaps that we needed to plug, really. And then amongst all those loan signings, we've now created Perry NG at centre-back. So, you know, we finally got a passing centre-back there. We got our first clean sheet of the season. Which I yep. kind of forgot about. Second so just clean so, sheet of the season. Sorry, second. Sorry, first in twenty-five games or whatever it yep. was. Um, yeah, it's just it was just such a shit out of a performance. It was just so good to watch because well, so sorry, it was awful to watch, but it, it was just so easy to enjoy. And I think it's the most kind of animated I've seen Cardiff fans on Twitter after a game. Everyone was yep. just liking everything. There was retweets flying all over the shop. People were just so happy because they're the types of games that we really enjoy winning. And it's about time that we won a game that way. Yeah, I think if you, if you look at the stats, um, there was something like we had 38% possession. Our expected goals were 0.56. We had one big chance, which was Ike Piazza's goal. 151 accurate passes. That was only 54% of our overall passes were accurate. So that says a lot about our passing in that game. But it doesn't matter because we won the game. Um, you kind of, um, we've already touched about the shit housing, Ben, but we got away with one right at the end, didn't we, with their offside call? Um, I was watching it on the Sky Red button, so I didn't see a replay, but all the talk was that their Barnsley player was onside when he put the ball away, but the linesman gave it offside, and that's all that matters, right? Lovely bloke, that linesman. I wonder a bad <laughs> thing said against him. Great decision. I mean, he was massively onside, but Christ, you've got to have that luck at some stage. We haven't had much this season, have we? We didn't have much luck that game, to be honest. It was that one big decision went for us. We haven't had much luck in four or five seasons, going back to the, the Premier League year when you know everything went against us. Yeah, so it's nice to sort of get one our way once in a while. But um, yeah, we didn't get much luck on Sunday either. We'll come into that a bit later. But um, yeah, it was. I can see why they were pissed off because it's an awful, awful decision by that linesman. Yeah, and Tom, that that offside obviously set up. The, the, I don't know what you call it, handbags at the end of the game. Um, Morrison was involved. Um, it, it seemed like it was their assistant manager who was giving him jip. Um, they kind of all went into the corner um, and, and it all kicked off again in the corner. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it was really nice to see Hugel and Doyle running in to get involved. You know, these lone players who've only been there for a little while running into getting involved and showing that passion. Um, but you, you got here that it, it might have been a bit childish. Is that your view? No, I thought I put it in for, the, for, for balance, really. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. No, it's like, it's what you expect from Morrison. Just to, you know, when the opposition uh, coaches are coming out saying he, what he was saying wasn't very nice. It's like, that's exactly what we expect from him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and like you said, seeing that like Doyle run in there and then give it a fist pump to the, the fans after, yeah, yeah. you know, gets it. And he's been there, what, two games? And yeah. It's just, it was funny to see. And it, it just, we just want to see a bit of like animation from players, from coaches. And I think we'll get plenty more of it between now and the end of the season with Steve Morrison in charge. I yeah, do want to enjoy more though. Morrison's sort of the whole, the fracas there, to use a classic footballing cliche, or Hudson's face went the first bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> that stare slash like half laugh at him was like mental. There's, there's, there is that photo. I think we tweeted it. Um, if you go to t- twitter.com forward slash VFTN, uh, VFT Ninian, sorry, and find it, there's there's just a look of kind of madness in Hudson's eye, but he's smiling at the same time. And it's kind of psychotic. And it's kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't fuck with him because he is going to hurt yeah. me. He's going to hurt me in a big way. Um, the, the news is, Ben, that we, we've both been charged, um, I think, for failing and controlling our players. Um, I think it was inevitable, but do you think that's fair? Do you think Barnsley should take more of a... It seemed that it was their assistant manager who was the main aggressor amongst it all. Yeah, I think I can see where both teams have been charged. It's hard to sort of not think that was going to come. I can see why the FA have charged both teams, to be honest, because Barnsley started it, but let's be honest, City's City's players, managers... A couple of fans even were all well up for it and more than happy to join in. So, yeah, I think the charges was to be expected. 
Can't it's wait likely to, to, to be... stick a quid on every ticket to pay for that as well. <laughs> well we would have to take a quid out of every player's pay packet between now and the end of the season to pay it. Um, let's see if that happens. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the Barnsley game, uh, you know, it, there, were, there were a few injuries in that game, but I think we have to end it here with, with Sean Morrison. Obviously, he went off in the first half. I think it was the first 10 minutes and it's been uh, confirmed that he's in his anterior cruciate ligament. A kind of eight to nine months time frame for him coming out. Obviously, he's at the end of his contract and it could be the last time we see our captain and someone who's been a, a stalwart in this team for the last sort of seven or eight years. Um, I've got my views on this, but I'm going to come to you first. Should we give him a contract to avoid what happened with Joe Bennett? I'm split on it. I can't make my mind up. Like, I think he's a great person to have around the dressing room. Like, everyone loves him. He's clearly a nice guy. And he knows what it's about. He's been around the club for, was it, like eight, nine seasons now, nearly. And I think, like, my heart says, yeah, give him a contract. But it's not sensible business, is it? Like, it's like you say, if it's eight or nine months, he's missing the rest of this season and a big chunk of next season. And with his age as well, and probably the wage he's on with it, I know you can you can barter with him now that he's out of contract, but I just can't see the club giving him a contract, and I will be gutted if that's the last time we see him in a Cardiff shirt because it's a horrible way for it to end. Because he's been an absolute stalwart for us. He, he is up there. He is a club legend because yeah. we've seen so much success with him at the helm. Like you, he's he's got to be one of our greats. Ben, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the club should give him a new contract. I don't expect them to because I don't expect this club to handle. <laughs> handle anything with class to be honest um i don't think they learned with bamba and i sure as yeah. hell don't think they learned with bennett either it's strange i think it's the week to the week he did that that bennett did his it's almost mm-hmm. like an identical it is an identical situation it's bizarre how it's come about but yeah the club should like i know we've said like his time at the club's coming to an end but we've got a duty here not just to look after him but the more i look at that squad you look at someone like denham coming through who was fantastic Liverpool game, they're going to need someone there to guide him. Like his influence off the pitch is going to be huge. And he might not be priority number one for me in getting contract. I think that still remains Joe Rolls, but he's got to be right behind him sort of in the contract negotiations, just because even if he doesn't play much, his leadership and his influence in that dressing room is massive and can't be understated. I think we have to. I think we have to give him the new contract, um, even if it's just to see it through to a six-month extension to see it through to the end of the year. Um, I just think, you know, the, the Bennett situation was slightly different because I, I, I think as as the, the the understanding of the situation was, them and Bennett had spoken. They Bennett had already reject, rejected one deal, um, and then they didn't want to come back with a second deal, and obviously did his cruciate ligament. I think with Morrison, it's just he's our captain. He's been at this club for so long, and you know he's he you know he's been our leader in that time. And I just think it's it's the right thing to do to give him at least six months to, to get him through the recovery and giving him some stability because there's no guarantee that, you know, he gets to the summer, his contract's up and he's still injured, that anyone's going to take a punt on him. You know, there's people going to be sat there going, well, we want to see what it's like when he gets recovered. So we have to give him to, that duty of care. Yeah, exactly. Of course, they're not, no one's going to sign him without knowing his fitness and knowing that if he's back at the same level he was. So I just think we owe it to him to give him six months. And if the club don't do that, then I mean, I can see them not doing it, but they have to have learned the lesson from Bamba and from Bennett by now. There's only one club dull enough to sign people that have done their crucial ligaments without them being fit to play. And Morrison's already at that club, so... Well, you know, he could go to Arsenal because Arsenal signed Kim Kalshin when he had a broken back, so... No, true. He could maybe take over at Arsenal as captain. Maybe we'll wait and see. Uh, that was Barnsley. Uh, yesterday, obviously, we went to Liverpool, went to Anfield, uh, the home of the best atmosphere in world football self-styled according to their fans who are all tourists um it was the fa cup it was a great occasion eight or seven eight thousand cardiff fans traveled uh, we had bristol city players in the away end cheering us on um which was really nice to see um before we get to the game tom kevin mcnaughton obviously we spoke about him on the pod last week uh he was with the fans uh, singing nesam dora and karaoke before the game i don't think i've ever seen as many photos of kevin mcnaughton as i have in my life than on twitter yesterday um how great was it to see Kev, you know, back around the Bluebirds? I think, you know, we, we were all delighted to see that, weren't we? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, and you saw the outpouring of, you know, love for him the week prior to it. And, yeah, it's great for him to be amongst people who just appreciate him. And I, I don't think there is a Cardiff fan who didn't have a photo with him in the end. Like, you know, yeah. he must have... I wasn't some... even in Anfield, but I got one. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it was fantastic to see. And, you know, you heard a few renditions of... Kevin McNaughton chance come in from the, the away end as well. And it, no, it's fantastic to see him out and about with, with our fans. It must have meant so much to him, Ben. 
yeah, after sort of when you're feeling low, to be that loved must be amazing. Mm. I mean, it must be one hell of a hangover afterwards, but yeah, he'd have had a good weekend. I think he probably needed it. And yeah, it was nice for him just to be out there after sort of what was a really rough time. Hopefully we'll see. I think the club should just get him to every away game from between now and the end of the season. Get him every home game as well. Just like, get, just give him a job at the club. Just give him a job at the club. Just make sure that he's around everyone who loves him because it was so nice to see. Um, uh, Tom, um, there were eight changes from the Barnsley game. Um, a lot of youth plunged straight in at the deep end. What was your first reaction when you saw the team sheet? Uh, oh, God. Um, how many is this going to be? Um, it, it was bold from Morrison and kind of paid off in the end. Do you know what I mean, we, weren't, we were far from disgraced. But I was very nervous when you look at that team sheet, trying to work out how we were going to sh- uh, shape up, putting that many youngsters in. Um, but hey, th- you know, there's no better experience for youngsters than to play away at Anfield against some absolute world-class opposition as well. But no, I really did fear the worst when I first saw it. Yeah, because Ben, obviously Liverpool didn't didn't put out a, a weak side, did they? they? You know, Trent was playing, Konate and Van Dijk at the back. Um, Henderson was captain, they had Firmino up front and they were going up against Oli Denham. I think that was his, I don't know if it was his second start because I can't remember if he played against Preston, but one of his first starts, Eli King in the midfield, who I think has played in cup games again, but hasn't started yet. Even Baggin at left back um, hasn't played that many games this season. It's still quite raw, raw, but they didn't disgrace themselves, did they? No, they looked at home. I've not seen a day, like a full debut like that from a player like Denham had. Absolutely superb. Um, didn't put a foot wrong. Looked like he's played there for years. I was so impressed, the young lad. Um, he's probably put an unfair expectation now on sort of him for the rest of the season. People are thinking he's a ready-made replacement for Shawnee Mars. But um, he might not be quite out there because I don't want to sort of go back and it end up like a bagging situation. But that's one hell of a debut from the youngster there. Christ, because it, it's a tough place to go. And you're coming up there, you've got world-class players. Like, Shotter is unbelievable. Firmino's class as well and to do that and look he wasn't really at fault for any of the goals he didn't put didn't do much wrong at all so massively impressed with him um Tom I think Morrison described him as a Rolls-Royce of a player putting a Rolls-Royce performance um we talked about Denham but what about Baggin um I, I think he's coming for some unfair criticism this season he was thrown well in at the deep end at the start of the season has kind of been out the limelight but it was an assured performance from him wasn't it yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. I think it has been a bit unfair. You know, he he was thrown straight in the deep end and he put some good performances in. We went from thinking, right, that's our, you know, we've solved that that's position. Sorted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And then going on, no, we need we need replacements in, we need replacements in. But I thought he looked good both defensively and going forward. I thought I thought he was very, very impressive. And it's just so nice to see youngsters doing well in our team, especially, you know, when it's been such a poor season as well. It's not yeah. like they've been thrown in on the back of us being like second or third in the league or anything like that, where we've been a club under pressure recently and they've really stepped up. And no, it was great to see Baggin have a bit of a resurgence after a bit of a couple of wobbly games. Um, before we get into the contentious decisions, Ben, um, talk about the tactics. Um, you know, there's the, there's always a temptation to go somewhere like Anfield to kind of throw caution to the wind and just try and take the game to them. But do you think we got the tactics spot on? We largely restricted Liverpool in the first half. Obviously, they scored a couple of goals in the second half, one from a set piece. But, that you know, that Jota chance with Sanding, they didn't really trouble Phillips too much in the first half. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was quite a good defensive performance from us. I think first half has the best defensive display I've seen all season from us. We looked composed, we looked like we had the game plan sorted and yeah, it didn't really give them a sniff. It was that one bit of class, like that turn from shot to get that shot was unreal. And part of me was a bit like, if you're going to go out to a game, you're going to go out in the cup, you go out to a screamer like that because that would have been unbelievable. But um, yeah, I was really impressed with us. I felt like we set up to do them on the counter brilliantly. I think Mark Harris's performance has gone massively underrated by a lot of fans because he was up for that game and worked his cock off. Unbelievable. Well, let's talk about Mark Harris. He was at the centre of two of the most controversial decisions. Um, he said after the, the Preston game, his dream draw, draw was Liverpool away and he started the game up front. Um, you know, he he took the chance with both hands, didn't he, Tom? Um, we'll talk about the penalty first. Um, he showed great determination to get the ball. He got in front of Canate and I think he showed a bit of guile and a bit of um, a bit of thought that other strikers wouldn't have shown in, in that situation. And he stepped across Canate to try and draw the foul from him. And it worked. Um, in my opinion, it was a penalty. 
Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely a penalty. There's contact which has caused him to hit the ground. You know, the defender's the wrong side of him. He's got no reason to go down there unless there's, there's contact. And, you know, he's going full pace. And any sort of clip like that, you're going to hit the ground. And I think that's what's probably worked against him, right? Like you said, he kind of had a leg in probably a slightly unnatural position where he possibly should have just slowed and backed in. But it's a penalty. There's contact. He's nowhere near the ball. And I'm not a conspiracy theory bloke and stuff like that, but like it does feel like if it was the other way around at Anfield, if it was Liverpool player hitting the oh, deck, 100%. that's a penalty. So that's given. 100%. Yeah, and, and, and like I didn't think it was... Was it the cop end as well, wasn't it? So yeah. what was getting given? Yeah, and it was just so frustrating, isn't it? Because we were so good to that point and, you know, it just, just does change the game decisions like that. Um, but yeah, he's very unlucky not to get a penalty there. Um, and Ben, let's talk about the other decision, um, the red or no red. Um, Will Volks played an absolutely stunning ball off the outside of his right boot. Uh, right boot. Um, Harris got on the end of it. He got past the defence again. Kelleher, I have no idea why he's 40 yards out his goal, but he's there. Um, takes all man, no ball, catches him, you know, calf high. There's the argument to say that Kunate is the covering man, but with the keeper so far out the goal, it kind of negates that argument. Was it a red in your opinion? When I first saw it, I didn't think it was. I thought the referee got it right. But the more I saw it and the more I saw the replays, it, yeah, it's it got to be a red, isn't it? I didn't realise how high up his boot was on his Achilles. That's like gone across. Reckless. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't understand how that's not seen as dangerous play. I don't think... I can understand the argument for he's not the last man. It's not. He's quite a way out. It's not a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. But it's got to be dangerous play with the studs off the ground like that across the back of the leg with no contact with the ball. It's nothing but dangerous play. Yeah, um, and you know Harris didn't really make a meal of it. He he tried to carry on, but the guy who's taking his leg clean out. Um, Tom, does that for you make it a game that could have been? Obviously, those decisions came at pivotal times. Obviously, the the penalty in the first half was when the game was at nil nil. Um, it, it would it would set up a chance for us to to take the lead at Anfield, which is would have been amazing. And I think the second the the red card decision came potentially when it was nil nil in the second half, or maybe one nil. Um, I can't remember the actual timing on that. Do you look back now and go, those were game-changing decisions? Yeah, 100%. I think the the red card shot would have was like the 47th minute or that was it. Before 46. 46, so still a nil-nil. And like, yeah, it, Liverpool with 10 men still might have beaten us. But we got a hell of a good chance if they are down to 10 men of nicking something there. And, you know, it, it's not just the one decision, it's two. Yeah. And uh, like, you can kind of forgive the penalty one maybe, but the second one, it's the red card. It's, it's just dangerous. Like you, you take out the the last man stuff. He's he's studs up. He's come at yeah. pace and he's hit them halfway up his leg. How was that and, not red? And the keeper just shouldn't be out that far. No, it's just <laughs> reckless all round. But no, you know, we could take a lot from it, right? Like I, a cup run probably isn't a good thing for us to have at this stage of the season. But it, it, it does feel like we've been absolutely done one there by the officials, and it, it is a pity for it to to be sat here kind of thinking what could have been because. You know, we thank God we got a goal at the end. Is all I'm saying. We had something to celebrate because yeah. you know people did leave happy then, but it it is frustrating. I it might is. say I Liverpool like VAR Liver Liverpool. Nice, nice. Thank you. Go Ben. Sorry, I had to say that. I I'm gonna go as far. I think it could have been um, apart from the second goal, which was a disaster of fucking errors. That was horrific. Mm. Ali McCoy said we won't concede a worse goal than that all season. It's not even the worst we conceded in 2022. But um, other than that, I think it could be the most perfect result for us. We come away, play brilliantly. The confidence for the lads is going to be sky high. They've all got the day out. We've got a goal, cut a goal from the academy, which was a really, really nice finish. Yeah. And we don't have to go to Norwich. We can focus now solely on the league. We didn't humiliate ourselves. We can come out of that confidence sky high and go into a massive game on Wednesday, riding a real sort of buzz. So, yeah, as disappointing as you can sort of think, it would be amazing to be Liverpool at Anfield in the FA Cup. For the rest of the season, the way the rest of the season is going to play out, I don't think that's the worst loss at all. Um, that said, Ben, Tom, I'll come to you on this one. First goal from a set piece. The second goal, is, as Ben's alluded to there, the Perry-NG mistake. I mean, what was he doing? Just booted out a player at that position. Booted out for a corner. Who cares at that stage? I don't know what you're doing, trying to play trying to play football on your own back line. The Harvey Elliott goal was a great strike, but the first two goals, it's frustrating, isn't it? Especially Yotta isn't a massive person, but he's incredible in the air. 
and it just felt like McGuinness was just a bit too slow to get to him. Yeah, it's what he does, right? He finds that space in between defenders and that's why he's so effective in the air for someone who's not that tall. But you feel it's avoidable, right? And you can see this sense of frustration from Morrison after the game. He's like, just like, oh, it's a set piece. Like, you yeah. shouldn't be conceded from a set piece. Then, yeah, the Perry and G when moment of madness, really. Just get rid, just, you know. So to have two goals like that is a little bit frustrating when you haven't been cut open. Like, we've been yeah. cut open by teams a lot worse than Liverpool this year. So to see two goals like that does, like, leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But Yeah, Black- Blackburn beat us 5-1. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. But, no, it is a little bit frustrating. Um, ben, you've already touched upon it, but the goal at the end for Ruben Colwell, um, what a lovely goal. Um, That's it. Colwell, Colwell started the move by intercepting a pass on the halfway line. Isaac Davis, that does, that's exactly what we want from Isaac Davis, just bearing down on goal, drawing the man. He put the ball into Colwell. And, I mean, Colwell's finish was lovely, but the touches up until that finish was so deft. He just knocked it into his path, smashed it home, and it was a goal direct out of the academy, wasn't it? That's exactly what we wanted at Anfield. Yeah, it, if you're going to get a goal there, that's it's who you want to score it, it's how you want to score it. Just, just a really nice, quick counter-attack that just put away with just a really, really smart, clever finish as well. A, a lot, I think a lot of the talk was about the lack of backlift as well for Cole to get that much power on it. It was a real clinical finish from a young lad that, let, no matter what happens in his career now, that's going to be up there. And hopefully he's got a 100 more moments like that for him at this club and wherever he goes in his career, but that is going to be one of those moments he never forgets. You do say about the backlift, but there is a photo of him where his um, his leg is almost over his own hip because he's lifted his leg back so far to hit it. I think McCoy's was chatting shit when he said no backlift. I thought he looked that. He fucking just caught it clean. I'll, I'll dig out the photo and I'll send it to you guys afterwards and I'll, I'll tweet it from the, the VFTN account because there is, a, there is a photo where his leg is very high behind his back. I, I, was, I was too busy. I was too busy throwing my nephew up in the air, to be honest. So, oh, good. Committed to you. Committed to this. Committed to Cardiff City, Ben. What? The... Oh, you were celebrating. Uh, yeah, it was, he was watching the game. I wasn't just torturing a child <laughs> then. Um, some, we talked about the youth. And the Cardiff City Twitter account tweeted that the average age of our 16 players involved in the game was 23.75. And that includes, and you know, I don't want to highlight them, but you know, Pack, Flint, Vox, and Collins are all around the 30-year-old age. We had people like Semenyo coming off the bench to make his debut, um, supported by his Bristol City supporting brother in the crowd. Nice to see the Bristol City fans getting behind us. Um, Denham obviously started. We had Baggin. Um, ha- do we have a golden generation? Is this it for us? This is the thing. Like, it's so easy to get carried away. Like, it's hard to judge on cup games. You know, even if you are playing quality opposition. You know, if we have really got a crop coming through, and we have played a lot of youngsters this year because we haven't had anyone else to play, so I can't tell if they've been pulled through because they're quality or just because we've got no one to fill those gaps. But the, I was skeptical at first, but the more and more I see of these youngsters, they are holding their own, and often in these games they're the better players we've got out there. So you know, because we've got so many people out of contract, was it like seven senior players we'd have left or something at the end of the season? Something like that, yeah. So. You know, it's really, really promising that we have got people who can step in and hopefully they have got the longevity in the game with us as well. I think the key thing from yesterday's game was we were playing Liverpool, who didn't play a weakened team, as we said. They, you know, they played a lot of their players who you'd consider first team or have considered first team over the last four or five years. You know, Firmino, uh, Minamino's coming through and looking quite good now. Henderson's their captain. They played their strong defence. And Denham, King, who were making some of their first appearances, just didn't look out of place on that pitch. They didn't look like youngsters who've been thrown at the deep end. They looked so assured and so ready to play football that if that's what they're like against Liverpool in the pressure cooker, well, not a pressure cooker atmosphere, let's say a microwave atmosphere, um, <laughs> because the noise that those fans produce up there, the day trippers, should we say, um, it, it, it just it, it sets the tone for a good rest of the season. If you're playing, you know, if you're someone like Denham now, what what's playing against Peterborough going to be like? Really, it's probably a bit louder, but there's still only going to be nine, ten thousand people in the stadium compared to fifty thousand people. Um, and you, you're just going to take confidence from that, aren't you? I hope so. I hope it really sets the season off for those lads and starts their careers. Because what a way to start your career saying you were the, one of the best players on your side uh, at Anfield yeah. in the FA Cup. And like it's like you said, like it wasn't a weak Fall side. Downhill that was, from here. Yeah, yeah. When you're losing four-one <laughs> to uh, Norwich next season, when they inevitably get relegated again. The the only thing that depresses me about this whole thing is that. When Cardiff City tweeted that, my mate messaged me going, 
the the average age of that club is young of the team that came out is younger than when the Rikishi ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. That really depresses me knowing that. <laughs> I suppose yeah, that, is, that they were probably all born. Some of those players weren't were, were born after the Attitude Era. They didn't yeah. know the best of wrestling. Exactly, that's a depressing. Got a lot to learn. Yeah, that is depressing. Um, still, time is a flat circle. We're all aging, Ben. Let's just get used to it. Yeah, let's just get used to it. Um, I was going to say something else then, but it's gone. So we'll just move on to the Twitter questions where other people have said the things for me. And that's what this is about. Uh, oh, actually, I was going to say about Marlon Pack. I just want to say kudos to Marlon Pack. He got Firmino's shirt for his boy. He was the favourite in the household on Sunday night. Well, then, Marlon, that's how you become the favourite with your kids. I just think it's brilliant tactics to see. Yeah, mother's competing with that, is she? Also, we, we avoided a soap opera in the crowd as both Aiden Flint's ex girlfriend and his current girlfriend were in the crowd. And I don't think they saw each other. So, well done, Aiden, for keeping those two apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now we move on to the Twitter questions. Uh, the first one is from Daniel Morgan. Ben, I think you're going to have some views on this. Are the Liverpool home fans the quietest you've ever heard, considering their famous atmosphere in, bra- and, um, uh, um, in inverted commas? Even the South Wales Liverpool freaks agreed with me when I said their fans are bunk. Good use of the word bunk there. That's an old school criticism I want to bring back. Ben, their fans were bunk, weren't they? They were proper bunk. It was, but the whole the Anfield atmosphere is a myth. They play you never walk alone through the speakers, which helps the atmosphere massively because it's blaring through the speakers. And then for 99% of the games, it's dead. Like every club can have amazing moments at their stadium, whether it's like Forest Green have built up some atmosphere, I'm imagining at some games. No. That's because they're vegans. Uh, don't yeah. But like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not one for me. I think Old Trafford's louder for the most part. And I'm not trying to bait there, sort of trying to get bikes or anything. Sounds but, like it, Ben. This podcast, <laughs> we're going to go viral off this. Those Liverpool fans are going to come for you. They've come for me enough when I've been on the Anfield rap before. So <laughs> not asked. <laughs> not asked uh, at all. Second tweet from Chris Stephen. Talking contracts and Morrison brackets 1R. Thank you for the distinction. Projects of this type take time. Given that it's going to take multiple windows to get the players he wants and bed in the younger players, do we roll the dice again and give the three years or so this would need knowing our track record? Tom, has he done enough to earn a contract in your view? Yeah, maybe... <laughs> I don't know. I, I would I would have said so a couple of weeks ago, but I think it is. It's, you can see what he's trying to do, and I think now the players are starting to buy into it, and you can see a shape. You know, we've had a clean sheet. Now we, we could go something to build on. So I, we could probably gain from having a bit of consistency um, around the managerial appointment at the moment, rather than bringing someone else in. He's already talked about. The fact that he doesn't have a contract for this summer, so he can't make those decisions around the players who need contracts, Tom. Would just giving him an extra year or an extra two years or a 12-month rolling contract just help give some stability to the club at a time when we're going into a rebuild? I'm not sure. Oh, I, I, I agree with him that he can't work on those things while he's there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still your job. You know, you still got to, like if you're contracted somewhere, you still work until your, your contract is up. I think that's him trying to play the media thing a bit, you know, get the fans on board, like having this conversation now and discussing whether he should have a contract or not. Bloody work, but, doesn't it? Yeah, there we go. But, you know, um, we probably would benefit from giving him another year. Um, just, just not do it on mad money or don't, don't give him a five-year contract, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, we've said we're giving to the end of the season, so let's wait. Let's not make the mistake we did with McCarthy again. You know, he, he's not going to be inundated with offers from other clubs. We're not going to have to rush the decision. So let's Neither just was McCarthy. <laughs> no, no, but the fake, the fake story about him going to Celtic panicked me. But no, yeah, um, yeah let's just wait, wait it out, see what happens. God, McCarthy was such a waste of a year, wasn't it? Um, Kieran, Ben, this one's for you. Colwell, the new, more energetic Tomlin, linking up the midfielders and attackers against Liverpool flawlessly. He does have a bit of that kind of mercurial spirit around him, doesn't he? Yeah, quality footballer, something we've lacked and over the last few years. Um, but without the ego or the love of the Yorkies. So, yeah, hopefully he just develops into a better better Tomlin. It's not going to be a bad person to be, is it? On the pitch, off the pitch, yes. On the pitch, no. Uh, Simon Keane, chanting, we support our local team at the end, summed up the feeling of defiant optimism. The result was irrelevant, but the day wasn't. 
I think it was a, a great day for bringing the fans together again. There were what seven thousand of us there, lots of people watching on TV. It just felt like the start, or you know, the, the beginning of the, the, the fan base being a bit more united again for the for 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 first time in a long while. Um, James Jenkins, if this counts, potentially got COVID from the game. Uh, well, at least you were able to go to the game. I was missing from the game because I had COVID. So um, at least you got to go to the game. In all seriousness, it was a good game given the squad we put out. Plenty of decisions were dubious. Fans are world class. Amazing day out, all in. That's what it's all about. Sam Hill, similarly Morrison with one R. Brilliant distinction once again. Is pursuing the 3-5-2 system. What is your ideal front two? Which two of the strikers feel complement each other best? Also, would you make any changes in the team for Peterborough, e.g. Denham, Cole and Davis in? Tom? Would you play Collins and Harris up front after that performance? Or was uh, Isaac Davis getting a go? No, I'd, I'd definitely play Harris. Um, yeah, I probably would go Collins-Harris, to be honest. I think they did enough in our first half to show what we, we can offer. I think against Barnsley, having Waters up there, I don't think anything stuck to him all game. I think he really struggled to take a hold of the game there. So, yeah, I, Harris definitely. And then I'd be a bit more flexible around the Collins role, but I wouldn't be against it being Collins. Ben, any thoughts? Hugo Harris for me. I think Hugo Harris. Hugo yeah. working with uh, Harris's work rate would be brilliant. But yeah, I don't. I don't think any of that combination. It's it's strange now coming out of the transfer window. Think about it. Like we've come and our, despite losing Keith Moore, I feel like our striking options are better now. So we've got options. more depth, haven't we? Because yeah, all of a sudden it's... we've got Ikpiazo, Hugo, we've got Harris, Waters, and we've got Davis. You can fill in up front. Cole will could probably play a job even if it's in a in a, in in just behind the front two or as as a, a striker off the the, the target uh, the player off the target man. All of a sudden we've got three or four combinations that are going to work there, right? Yeah, and I feel like we've got a midfielder, well midfield now that's sort of able to link up with those strikers as well. Um, scoring goals, I don't think it's going to be a problem for the rest of the season. I think yeah, um, yeah. every striker we've got there will get a few. I don't. I'm not saying any of them are going to go on a massive run and sort of get twenty between now and the end of the season, but. Yeah, it's the other end that sort of is still my major, not major concern. I feel a bit better about it, but yeah, it's scoring goals isn't going to be if, why we get relegated this year. Ellis Hearn, Denham has got to be in our defence. Agile, strong, athletic. He's got something none of the others have got. And he's a dab hand at media relations as well. Shout out Mark Denham. Paul Grono, a friend of the pod. I think we should wait until the end of February before deciding on whether to extend Morrison's contract as a manager. What do you think? Why wait, Tom? Or... Just give it another little bit, see what happens. Let's just wait it out. There's no rush. Like I said earlier on, he's not going to be in a rush, uh, in a rush to go anywhere else himself. So let's just buy ourselves a bit of time because anything could happen between now and the end of the season. Anything could happen indeed. Um, it's a song, isn't it? Oliver Reese. given we've won two league games on the bounce and given the performance against Liverpool, do you think this could turn our season, Ben? Players like Harris and Baggins stood out for me yesterday and should be knocking on the first team door. It does feel like the kind of game, Ben, that could turn our performance a little bit. Turn yeah, our season think- a little bit, sorry. I think that coupled with back-to-back wins, it's an ideal situation to really sort of get the season going. And we sort of came off it back-to-back wins, and you sort of get that little drip, drip, little drop of when you get the news of Morrison and uh, Doty being injured, um, and seeing players then go to Liverpool and step up like they did, and say, oh, "It's not so bad. We do have options. There is cover there. We'll be fine." Yeah, it's ideal. Hopefully, now we really do kick on and. Enjoy the rest of the season because, to be honest, we deserve it because it's been a rough one. Been a rough year. Um, COVID aside, Stu Longshank seventy nine. Sorry to put a dampener on things, Stu. Why are you putting a dampener on things? But do you think we're actually a bit screwed in the summer? Managers contract up, loads of senior players out of contract, and all our loans ending. That's a massive overhaul for whoever is in charge. Are we screwed, Tom, or is it an opportunity? That's uh, Nice spin there. You can tell you work in Thank PR. You. I work in, yeah, I work in media relations. And PR, yeah, so. exactly. Um, no, we could potentially be screwed, I think. Oh, God. We, um, you know, Morrison's played a blinder in this window with the loan signings, you know, he's brought in. And we could do that again, you know. We've seen other clubs in this division do it as well, successfully. But it, it feels like if that's your tactic, it's eventually going to bite on the arse where it doesn't quite work. The players don't quite step up like you want them to. But we need a long-term plan going into the summer. We need to have names we've already got written down that we want to bring in. Otherwise, it could be a long summer and a very long season next year. It could be a very long season next year. James Corp, ask your thoughts on Mark Harris's game versus Liverpool. We covered that off, probably one of the standout performances on the day. Uh, benefactor, the Raspin Dog. Denim, thoughts? Felt he played superbly, covering well for Flint. Think he needs to step up now and be part of the match day squad. Certainly give Nelson something to think about. Ben, is that just what we should expect from Denim between now and the end of the season? 
just in yeah. the match day squads, kind of coming in, substitute performances, filling in when needed? Yeah, I think he sort of fills the void that Kieran Brown left at the club, not at CEX, obviously. No, no, so, I don't want Venom working at CEX. I think Monster would be too much for him. Yeah, it's not good for youngsters. It's really bad. No, for it's him. not. It's really bad for him. Kieran Brown's forty-six. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Joe Williams, nineteen oh two. Open-ended question for both of you: What beer are you having to celebrate when we beat Derby in the last game of the season to sneak into the playoff spots? Um, I'm going to have a, a, a crisp pint of Carling, Tom. Oh, I'll um, I'll go for a tiny rebel club Tropica, Ben. I go tiny rebel electric boogaloo. Oh yeah, I've changed my mind. I love that. No, it's... you've said it already. Uh, I've already got right, it on order. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> um, I should say a tiny rebel beer then. I'll have a, I'll have a dutty. I like the dutty. Nice shout. Yeah, nice one. You uh, can't go wrong with tiny rebel. Full stop. Can you? Well, you can if you drink a lot of it, and I've been there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Matthew Lewis is Cole with a perfect player from the bench, or should he be starting for us? Ben. <sighs> Would you like to see him starting more, or is 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 it still impact for him between now and the end of the season? I think it's between now and the end of the season, but for now, I think the role he's in suits him. Don't forget, look, he's done well at Liverpool. Before that, he wasn't getting into the matchday squads, and he was playing for the under-23s. Whether he's carrying a knock or whether there was other issues with him not training hard enough or whatever, it's down to him now to sort of impress coming off the bench and sort of make that position zone. He's got competition now. It's realistically, looking at that team, it's between him and Doyle for that sort of more attacking central midfielder. So that he's a great player and got a bags of potential and took the goal fantastically, but he's got a lot of work to do now between now and the end of the season to prove he's an option going forward that we can build this new team around starting from next year. Yeah, but I think it feels like this like the start of his his ascent almost. Like we we've had the false dawn because I think obviously Nottingham Forest, and then I don't think it was his fault. I think the whole club was a mess and it just didn't work out for him. But now it feels like this is where he kicked on from. Uh Diff MJ, Colwell and Doyle in the same midfield three with Wintle when Rawls isn't available. If not, where do you see Colwell fitting? Also Denham in the back three or Flint. Um, assuming NG and McGuinness are nailed on. Tom, do you see can you see Colwell filling a role in the midfield three, or would you rather him more forward facing? I think I'm more forward-facing. I think that's the reason we haven't seen as much of him. I, I don't think he's going to be trusted in that central role. You know, I, like we were hoping to see him take games by the scruff of the neck, like that Preston game in the cup, and it didn't quite work for him. So he's obviously got something more to develop to, if he's going to start in a more central role. But and, and I think, yeah, as an impact player coming off the bench, he could be ideal between now and the end of the season just to turn it on, touch a class towards the end of games. Touch your class, touch your class, respect, respect. <laughs> uh, Jamie Pryor, would you guys throw Denim in, in his championship debut on Wednesday after such a short performance or stick with the three that finished Barnsley, um, that finished in Barnsley, McGuinness, Flint and NG? For me, Ben, I'm starting Denim on Wednesday. What are you doing? It's a tough one. I really don't know. Ask what I think now. I'll probably change my mind closer to Saturday, uh, closer to Wednesday, sorry. Um, for right, now, I'll text I would tomorrow and I'll ask you. Yeah, for now, I wouldn't start him. But by the time this podcast goes up, I probably be thinking, yeah, start him and make him captain. <laughs> Tom, would you make him captain? Uh, no, I wouldn't start him either. Um, I, I I finished with the same um, defenders that we had against Barnes. You know, we've got a clean sheet. Um, just a bit of continuity there. Um, used to playing in the championship, just stick, stick with what we ended um, in that game. Stick with what you know. Change is as good as a rest, though, isn't it? So we could see a change. We could, we could. Uh, I'm not the manager anymore, so I don't know that. Um, thanks for all the Twitter questions. If you want to get involved, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. While you're there, you can look at our pin tweet as well. Do you want to own a bit of view from the Ninian history? Our first ever Cardiff City retro-inspired football shirt. Um, it's made by Tor Sports, um, who have made such um, wonderful shirts as the Rogerson Tiny Rebel collection. Um, ben was a big part of that, Ben Price. Um, it's on sale now for another week, I believe the pre-sale is up for, and then it will never be available to buy again. We're not holding stock on it. Um, so if you go to twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian, look at our pinned tweet. Uh, it's on Tour Sports. You can go direct to their website, which is tour-sports.co.uk. That's tor-sports.co.uk and search the VFTN shirt on there. All the proceeds are helping to raise money for the podcast. Basically, as we said before, we do this for the love, not the money. Um, and the money will help us just fund the podcast for the, the next couple of months because you have to pay for stuff, you know. That's all it is, guys. So if you do want a shirt, go to tour-sports.co.uk. That's tour 
sports.co.uk or head over to our Twitter page, VFT Ninian, and all the details are there. Ben. Yes. Thank you. We've got two games coming up this week. Uh, Peterborough at home on Wednesday, another Wednesday game. Um, not a Tuesday this week, it's a Wednesday game. Um, and then Millwall away at the weekend. Let's start with Peterborough. Is this the biggest game of the season so far? Peterborough are um, in and around the relegation zone with us. Um, I think they've kind of fallen behind ever so slightly um, after our last couple of wins, but they are um, nine points behind us in 22nd place. They haven't had the best season so far, but do you worry? when a team like Peterborough comes to town? A team like Peterborough, no. Peterborough, yes, every time. Because things always seem to go wrong. But um, this is definitely the biggest game of the season. Um, it's your classic relegation six-pointer, six isn't it? Just 12, 12, you win this, three league wins on the bounce, bit of good momentum, and you're 12 points clear of relegation. Suddenly, things don't feel so bleak. All right, we might still be mm-hmm. down there league position-wise, but the more we can open up that gap between the bottom three and ourselves is only a good thing because, yeah, a loss can be massively damaging. Um, Tom, they, they, they're coming off a, an FA Cup win at the weekend. They beat um, QPR 2-0. Um, it looked like quite a strong QPR team as well. Um, to, uh, I'll start that again. It looked like quite a strong QPR team as well. Uh, do you worry that they can have their tails up a little bit coming into a a game that it's, it's almost like no, no there's nothing to lose for them at this stage because they're already so far behind I think it'll play in our favour that you know they're going to have to come and beat this you know like if we avoid defeat in that in that game I can't imagine them clawing nine points back against us between now and the end of the season 12 it, 12 sorry well if you avoid defeat you'd still be nine wouldn't it yeah so. yeah but um, so I think that will play into our hands. You know, there'll be a bit more space than there ordinarily would be with a team coming to Cardiff City Stadium. So I, I, I think they're going to be there for the taking. You know, yes, they've got a cup, a cup win, but that must be a little bit frustrated for them. They finally win a game; they get nothing on the board for it in the league. So and they win, they beat QPR as well, who are yeah, yeah. you know performing very well in the league at the moment. Exactly, and you look, you look at those teams at the bottom. You know, Reading have lost the last five. Peterborough have got one draw in their last five. You know. They're not going to be coming up with many more points between now and the end of the season. So a win against Peterborough, and I'd struggle to see us drop in, which I, I didn't think I'd be saying a few weeks ago. Yeah, a month it, just ago. Show, it just shows how big those back-to-back wins were. You know, to, stringing a few results together can really fly you up that table, and you start looking up rather than down. But no, it, it's definitely our biggest game of the season uh, by a long, long way. And Ben, obviously, 8,000 people going up to Anfield. Uh, they got that kind of feel-good factors back. Are you expecting to see a bigger attendance on Wednesday than normal? I hope so. Um, I really enjoy championship games and the lights. There's something really special about it. So hopefully, um, yeah, we see a nice little jump because that those lads deserve it. It's a massive game. And yeah, hopefully they are. But realistically, that 8,000 away up to Anfield are probably all the season ticket holders. <laughs> so they're probably yeah. going to be there anyway. It's the other guys that watch it on TV, like me, to be honest, that um, sort of need to get their arse down there and sort of support the boys there because it's so, going to be cold, it's going to be tough. So hopefully... Are you, are you going to get your arse down there and support the boys, Ben? Yeah, I'll be there. There we go. Don't say you're going to watch it on TV when you go into the game, Ben. I didn't. I said watched it on TV, the Liverpool game. Oh, I couldn't go to the Liverpool game, Ben, because I had COVID. So why are you criticising me? Because you're a dirty nose licker that got COVID. I, did, I didn't. You walked up to people in central London, licked people's nostrils, and that's how you got COVID. Everyone I actually got it in America. I actually got it in my America. So you don't deny licking nostrils. I, I will not deny licking nostrils. At <laughs> <laughs> this time, I will not what deny. Does that um, mean, I don't know, but it's got weird. Um, Tom, um, obviously, we we've talked about the team selection. Are there any specific changes you'd make, or would you try and keep it as close to the team that finished in the Barnsley game? Yeah, I think so. I think that is probably our strongest looking team now with, with the likes of drama and stuff coming back in. The, the, those who were cup tied going into that game. Um, you know, and they will be on the up after that result. Even with a uh, poor, poor performance, you know, tails will be up and people will be fired up as well with the way that it ended with the little scuffles and stuff as well. So yeah, a bit of continuity. Uh, put the same team out. Prediction time, Ben. Um, right, let me try and think of a question here that is quite original. Um, I can't think of one. Um, who's going to wear the Peterborough shirt? 
who's going to... Oh, I can't even think of one. What's the score going to be? Who's going <laughs> to score? Who's Steve Morrison going to fight? Um, I think it will... I'll go for a 2-0 win for City. Back-to-back league clean sheets. I know. Oi, oi. Um, I think Joe Rolls, if he's fit, will get a goal. He is and fit. He's a very good-looking boy. He's a very lovely-looking boy. Um, and I'll go for Hugel again, getting the goals. And, and who's think... Morrison going to fight? Um, the Peterborough bus driver. Won't he be in the bus though? Don't know. That's why he was even more mad. Yeah, yeah. That's good, good, good. Uh, Tom, same questions to you, please. Uh, I think we'll win three 0 I think it's Flint. Tender. Flint is gonna um, find Patrick. his goal, goal scoring headband again and uh, get a brace. And I think Morrison will end up fighting Hudson in a weird turn of events. <laughs> Very Who are you good. There. Morrison, uh, uh, Hudson. Yeah, I'm going Hudson. I think Hudson. I think Hud- I'm not. I'm not saying Hudson's not not a tough bloke. I just think Morrison's unhinged. <laughs> I think, I think both are. You saw his eyes. After yeah, seeing true, that actually. steer, I think Hudson is too. Maybe it's um, maybe it's a points decision that it goes the way of Hudson. Uh, all right, I'm going to go. Cardiff are going to win two one. Uh, no clean sheet for us. I think the goals are going to be scored by Hugill and Davis. And I think Morrison is going to fight Darren Ferguson in a slobber knocker on the side of the pitch. Four rounds. Morrison takes it on points. I forgot Ferguson's the manager. Yeah, he's not a nice man, is he? No, that changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the best driver now. It's going to be Ferguson. Yeah. See, I knew you'd, I knew you'd come around to my way of thinking. Um, and then to the weekend, Tom, um, it's that, you know, old enemy, Millwall away. Uh, I feel like we never turn up at Den. I, I've been to Millwall twice. And I think in both games, we... We drew one all in the pro- promotion season. I think last season or the, the last game I was able to go at the ground, I think we were two all draw, um, if, if memory serves me right. Um, we do seem to crumble a little bit at the den, don't we? Is that because it's um, intimidating there? I don't, it's just a horrible, turgid affair every time we kind of play there, isn't it? Like We've even had people fall in from top tiers of stands and stuff. Oh, like God, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we've had God, some yeah, horrible, that. horrible times at Millwall. I don't know many people have had a good time at Millwall, even the Millwall fans. <laughs> but you know, I just it's it's one of those games just expect it to be like a horrible one-nil loss or a one-all or something. But I'm still looking forward to going again because there's no ground quite like it. Like I do enjoy how intimidating it is going there. I won't be drinking I... anywhere near the ground. But <laughs> when, when once I'm in there, I do kind of like it. It's not the same anymore because it's, it's half empty most of the time. It's just yeah. that walk to the ground is just a little bit well, it's just grim. And it's was... yeah. I was going to say, the times I've been, I've never found it as intimidating. But I think both times I've been, it's been like a Friday night or a Tuesday night game. Yeah. And it's not quite the same. I feel like a Saturday at the Den is, is a different occasion. Um, ben, I'm surprised that Millwall, where they are on the table, they're only 15th. Um, they're only eight points ahead of us at the moment. I thought they were doing quite well. Their goals for is 29. Their goals against is 29, giving them a goal difference of zero, which is lovely to see. Um, how much do you hate Gary Rowett? He's just an arse, isn't he? Yeah. He's not Lee Johnson levels of knobheadness, but he's sort of that next tier up, isn't he? Or down, whichever way you look at it. He's yeah, not a fan. He's your silver. All. He's your silver tier knobhead. Well, Lee Johnson's your gold standard, isn't it? Uh, Lee Johnson's platinum knobhead. Platinum. All right, so maybe is Rowett gold, or do you think he's still silver? Who would you put still in the silver, gold place? I think he's not been that offensive as he? he's not quite. Mate, he's not quite good enough of being a knobhead to sort of reach that level he's like that bloke in work you don't like you don't know why you just don't like him but he's never really done anything to annoy you yeah that's true actually I've got a few people like that I'm looking at them on the podcast now um, <laughs> not like either. yeah <laughs> oh, good banter then uh, um, oh God, I just really want to talk about Millwall for much longer uh, let's have a look at their recent results a nil-nil draw with Preston they've lost to Blackpool they beat West Brom they lost to Forest um, they Is Millwall nil, Preston nil, the most championship result of all time? Yeah. I think so. Um, let's have a look at the stats on that one. They had equal possession, very good. Almost equal <laughs> passes. Um, their pass accuracy was 1% difference. Uh, eight fouls each. <laughs> Three corners to two corners. Nil-nil, seven shots to four shots. Um, it was nil-nil, put in Preston in 11th and Millwall in 15th. That is the most middle mid-table championship so game bleak. I've ever come across. Horrible. I bet that was a shit game of football, wasn't it? Um, so, Tom, you've asked the question, what do you expect to happen? Are we getting a win at Millwall? Yes. Ooh, what's the score going to be? 1-0. Ooh, 
And who's going to score that goal? Flint again. What is your obsession with Aidan Flint at the moment? I just can't be asked to think. And I can't imagine they're scoring anything but headers against teams like Peterborough and Millwall. Yeah, to be fair, he, he is our current top scorer. See? Yeah. I mean, I I wonder what Oji, I probably wouldn't get that much different odds on him being top scorer by the end of the season. Um, he hasn't scored in a while, though, has he? I think no, he scored since like September. Yeah, it went I off. Think Peter Bro- wasn't Peterborough's last couple of goals? Well, yeah, he scored was like four in four in four, four in four and four. Yeah, he scored two. Was it two against Millwall? Two against Peterborough? Um, Ben, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Peter think- and out here. Come on, pick up the energy for the last couple of minutes. I think it'll be uh, one all. Give me one all. All right. Yeah. And, and who's going to score Who's going to score our goal? I'll go with. Uh, Will Volks. Oh, Will yeah. Volks, I eh? would love that, to be fair. Doing a little backflip in front we of t- We tend fans. to pick up quite good goals at um, the day. Yeah, like, we don't score many, but the ones we do are sort of good quality. The, the game where we, in the promotion season, Hoylet scored a lovely goal from outside the box where he swerved it around the yeah. defender, and Bamba scored an overhead kick, which should never have been disallowed. Oh, that is still one of the biggest robberies in football, that. Yeah. I think he... He called it back for a head injury to us potentially. Yeah, because I can't ben remember the... with a head injury that yeah. Yeah. he sort of got up two seconds late when he realised, oh shit, what have I stopped? Yeah, it was it was pathetic. Um, but you know, when you go to someone like Millwall, the the home crowd are on your back. They're so intimidating in their Peaky Blinders caps. Um, so the, you know, the referee's going to give them their decision. Um, and that's it for another episode of View from the Ninian. Uh, thanks for listening once again. If you like what we do, go to our Twitter page, twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian. Order your shirts. Go to our Kofi, co-fi.com forward slash VFTNinian. Um, there you can uh, give us some money. Um, that's the plainest way of saying it. Uh, we don't do this for money, but we like money and it helps us run the podcast. Uh, you can make a one-off donation or a regular donation there. Have as much money or as little money as you want. Um, I ate my dinner throughout tonight's podcast. I don't think you heard me eating at any point. That's how brilliant I am at eating quietly off mic. Um, but we were recording this quite late on a ch- Monday night. Um, and that's what you have to do when you're committed to doing podcasts, isn't it, Ben? It is. I, I have been curious the whole time while you've been doing it, like what you actually were eating. I just didn't want to bring it up. Pasta and meatballs, mate. Nice. Yeah, it was really nice. A bit of cheese on there as well. But I've been playing football, hadn't had time to eat. Um, I I don't know why I'm going to this level of detail, Um, but there we go. (laughs) Uh, um, Ben, what was your favourite part of the podcast tonight? I think this, discussing pasta and meatballs, you know, big fan. Cool. It was was by Gusto. I didn't know, you know, Gusto, that meal delivery box that you get at home. I think it was related podcast sponsorships. I think they might have used to, uh, but I don't know if they do it anymore. Um, I'll ask. You know, I'll, I'll call up their customer service say, do you want to sponsor the pod? I just talked about I ate, I ate, I ate a meal throughout the episode and no one knew. Um, that's how good the food is. Um, Tom, what was your favourite part of your podcast? Uh, the bit when you weren't eating and when I'd have to watch you dropping meatballs down your chin. I didn't. There's no food <laughs> on this shirt. I was very clean at eating. I'm an adult. I can eat without making a mess these days. What's the short sleeve Under Armour all about, though? What's the point of a short sleeve Under Armour? I know. Like, I, I, I don't like. Guns. I don't really like wearing long sleeves anymore. Then why are you wearing Under Armour? Why don't you just wear the t-shirt? Because it rubs against my nipples. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that was not the answer I was expecting. I was waiting honest, for it. I was waiting for that answer. I'm going to have... end this now because it is proper tapering off in here. <laughs> yeah, um, and if again. anyone's still listening now, um, well, congratulations. You get a special prize of something. I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, horrible. If they want it. God, no, I don't want No, that's weird. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, enjoy the games this week. Uh, buy our shirt. Give us money. Go to our twitter.com slash VFTNinian. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm going to see how long I can go on for. Bye-bye. Our show won't rub your nipples. Here at VFTN, we're all about the smooth moves. Whether it's a Joe Rawls through ball or a Shawnee Moz celebration, we simply love it when things run smooth. And that's why we're big fans of the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. We've been using their lawnmower shaver now for the past few weeks, and let me tell you, it's as smooth as Robert Earnshaw's head down there. I've been using razors and scissors to keep myself trimmed down below, but this device changes the game. Whether it's your plums, your armpits, or your chest, the lawnmower's skin-safe technology leaves you smooth and clean without any risks of bumps or nicks. And when you're done, you can use their 
Crop Preserver deodorant to keep things feeling super fresh down there. It's a game changer. I never knew I needed it, and now I can't live without it. And for our view from the Ninian listeners, we've teamed up with Manscaped to offer you 20% off their Performance Package 4.0. Not only do you get the Lawnmower 4.0 shaver and the Crop Preserver deodorant, but you also get the Weed Whacker. For those of you out there with that excess nose and ear hair, we see you. And a refreshing Crop Reviver tonic. You'll also get a pair of Manscaped boxes thrown in, as well as a bag to keep all your bits in. It's simply not to be missed. To get your hands on the very best in male grooming, head over to uk.manscaped.com and select the Performance Package 4.0. And at the checkout, use the code VFT Ninian for 20% off your purchase. That's VFT Ninian for 20% off your purchase. Trust us, your balls will thank you.